Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found. Hey, welcome back to AF Fireside. Uh, I got to give you a warning if you're listening to the, well, obviously you're listening, but if you hear uh, some deep guttural panting, my dog and I just played some very serious fetch before sitting down for this interview. Uh, truthfully, I should have a drink for this interview. Uh, I, I don't. It's two o'clock on the East Coast right now. I guess that's not too early, but we're talking all things booze. We're talking all things bitters with Andrea from Bitter Slab. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lucas. I'm super excited to talk uh, all things alcohol, all things your process. I will say uh, today's like a super cold day in New England. Last time that I saw you was, I think, the hottest I've ever been in my life at the Austin event in 2019. Yeah, that, it was hot. Specifically it was hot. specifically at the end of it when we were loading out. And I, I will say on the record here that that was the fastest American field event loadout we had ever had in our history. We just wanted to get out of there, get out of that. We just wanted to get out of there. We wanted to, we wanted to break records, Uh, (laughs) but super fun show. Can't wait to get back to Austin. I feel, had you, are you familiar with the city at all? You know, that was the first time that I'd been to Austin. Um, We're kind of, you know, we've chosen our American field um, events based on where we've never been or where we don't really have a huge presence. So Austin, you know, seemed really interesting and exciting. And I, Loved it. I love Austin. I felt like I had such a blast and I didn't get to do any of the things I wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) When you're you're working, it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. I I spent more time at the Home Depot in Austin than I did (laughs) at any of the bars that I wanted to go to or any of the other spots that I wanted to go to. I think next time I go, I'll have to tack an extra day or two on. Yeah, that's smart. I think that's what I'm planning on doing when I'm in Boston this year. Yeah. Exciting. And you said you'd never been to Boston before? Never been to Boston in my life. So very excited to check out that city. I hear it's a great city, lots to do, really accessible, you know, lots of um, just basically easy to get around the city. It is. It's it's like easy, uh, easy, but not logical. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that... Um, and this might be just like a fact they teach you in elementary school, like, you know, a, a patriot fact. But I think that the ca- the streets were all dictated by the, the, the past that the cows got to water oh. and they haven't changed. Interesting. So they like cobblestone them and then eventually paved them as pavement became a thing. So there isn't isn't like it's not a grid. The city isn't in a grid. That being yeah. said, it's a it's a beautiful city. I, the. Uh, the illusionment has kind of gone away given that like that was my place you'd go on a field trip in third grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
you're going to have a great time. I'll have to give you a list. You got to go see the seals. I'll tell you okay. more about that some other time. Okay. You got to see the seals. If you're from Boston, you know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're from Boston, you're like this idiot. <laughs> but <laughs> let's dive in. Let's talk about Better's Lab. Um, maybe let's let's just zoom right back to the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about how the events in your life led you to to this brand that you started? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's a little on accident and a little on purpose. It's kind of cool. it's kind of weird. So like all good things, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I actually had a career in healthcare for a really long time. Um, okay. You know, typical steady income, great benefits, paid time off, all that kind of stuff. But I was not creatively challenged at all, and I'm just at my core, I'm a very creative person. And that corporate world didn't really jive with me too well. Um, you know, you're five minutes late, you get written up and that kind of stuff. Um, so I actually, um, in 2007 on the side, uh, just as a way to sort of, you know, express my creative, you have like a creative outlet, I guess. Um, I started a wedding cake business. So it was kind of during the time when, Um, you know, the next great baker and all of those like baking shows were huge on the food network. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I could do that. So I taught myself how to bake. I taught myself how to create like fancy elaborate wedding cakes and like birthday cakes. Um, and I did that for seven years, but totally on the side. So I still had my healthcare job. Um, and then after a few years, I kind of was like, I think I want to do this for real, like maybe quit my healthcare job and open a brick and mortar, like wedding cake business. Um, luckily for me, I had the smarts to go get a job at a local bakery to see if that's really what I wanted to do and just kind of learn the ins and outs of it. Um, and after nine months working at a local bakery here, I quickly realized that physically and financially, it was just not a good fit for me. Um, So kind of in between there, right around 2008, 2009, I actually was making my own extracts for my desserts and extracts and bitters have a very similar process in how they're made. Um, And I also got into sort of home bartending and craft cocktails and and that sort of thing. Um, And the first drink I ever made myself at home was an old fashioned using just classic Angostura bitters. And, you know, the bitters were very intriguing to me, um, just how you know, interesting, you could create the the flavor profiles. So I started making bitters and I was using those in my cakes first, um, you know, on occasion, on occasion, you know, at home making cocktails, but really it was like, I'm going to bake and, and cook with these and just, you know, sort of see where that leads me. So long story short, when I got to the point where I realized that opening a brick and mortar bakery was not what I wanted to do, I wanted another way to express my creativity and try to get myself out of this healthcare career that I just really was not jiving with. So in 2014, um, I opened a dessert stand at our local farmer's market here in Salt Lake. And I used all of our, all of my homemade bitters in every dessert that I made. So each, each dessert featured a different flavor of bitters and it was kind of, you know, the main component of the dessert. Um, Really, it was kind of my way to see what Utah was going to do with cocktail bitters. I don't know if you know anything about Utah, but we have a basically, yeah, like a a few preconceived notions. Yeah. So I would say about, you know, 50 or so percent of our population here does not drink at all. Um, 
And I kind of just wanted to see if, if using bitters in another way might, you know, make it a little bit more interesting for our community here. So surprisingly, people were really into it. Um, they liked the desserts. They were inquiring about the bitters, like, why aren't you selling the bitters as well? And I was like, well, okay. So this sort of, this sort of test answers my question. Um, so at the end of the farmer's market season, I um, decided to close the dessert stand because just FYI, a food business, um, a mobile yeah. food business is incredibly difficult. When you have a yeah. food truck, I think it's maybe easier, but we were literally setting up a, a tent every Saturday and Sunday yeah. Yeah. and like cooking food, on, you know, sort of out in the open. Um, so in January of 2015 is when we launched Bitters Lab. And we were the first bitters company in Utah ever. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's, that was kind of a long winded version of, of wow. that. I, I got to say, uh, we don't know each other super well. I think you're super cool. I think you have a really cool product. If you had asked me uh, to guess how you started the brand, I, I would have gotten none of it. <laughs> would you have said, oh, you worked in a bar? Yeah, I would have figured you had bar. In, yeah, you came from the bar industry. Um, yep. No bar experience at all, actually. That's wild. And I think kind of at, f at first look, when you say I wanted to do something else on the side and I decided I was going to do wedding cakes and I learned from scratch how to make wedding cakes, having no background in that. I think <laughs> that the, the casual eye would say that's uh, insane. That's absolutely <laughs> insane. And it is a little bit. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. But I think uh, having spoke, get, having the privilege of knowing so many entrepreneurs, you say that. And I think, Oh, Oh shit. She like, she's, a, she's successful. Like that, that attitude is like, that's what you need to be an entrepreneur. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, especially it's maybe a little bit easier to do something really crazy and absurd like that when yeah. you are in a position, you know, having a job or a, a career or whatever mm -hmm. that you're just not into. Sure. Um, you know, the healthcare industry is great. I have no hard feelings against it, but it just was not, it was just not for me. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of almost doesn't matter the, the industry when it's a machine like that, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. And it's, machine. I mean, you know, there are people that, that do that job and that are really good at it and really love it. And that's mm -hmm. awesome for them. But yeah. for me, it just didn't fit. That's but. so cool. So it was Very like, cool. it, was, it was kind of more of a necessity. Like I needed to get out of yeah. that. And it feels I, almost kind of like the, uh, like the professional equivalent of shaving your head during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. when that was a thing. Sure. Everybody was like, well, I'm just going to shave my head now. <laughs> yes. yes. That's funny. <laughs> so there's the start. Uh, what, uh, you got a timestamp on, on when you officially incorporated Bitters Lab? Yep. It was January 1st, um, 2015. So okay. that was when, you know, we filed all of our like business paperwork and got licenses. And, um, it took me a little bit of time to find a commercial space. I ended up, um, renting space from a kombucha place okay. uh, down the street. Um, I would have said uh, you probably could have found a church basement somewhere I mean, yeah. in Salt Lake, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we rented from people and then um, the space that we're currently in now, we actually made friends with a chocolatier and they had the space that we're in now and they were moving out. They were growing and expanding and we took over their space in um, the end of 2015, actually. I think it was like December, oh, cool. um, like the end of December. 
And we've been in the same spot ever since. We just expanded last year. So we have two commercial units that are back to back. So I'm in I'm in our studio right now. Okay. Um, and then the commercial kitchen side is just right behind me here Great. on the other side of this wall. And then we're about to expand into an event space as well. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. There's no shortage of things going on in the lab. <laughs> yes. I love that. Definitely so, not. Uh, that's obviously you've, you've scaled the size that that's a good indicator that you've grown. What are some of the steps that you've taken, you know, in hindsight, looking back at the last couple of years, steps that you've taken in scaling the brand and what were the moments that you knew that you had to grow? Yeah. Uh, so when we started um, our first year as Bitters Lab, we did the farmer's market in 20, um, the summer of 2015. And like right before we started, we actually got a distributor. Um, so we were really, really lucky in, in getting them very early on. They kind of saw this niche market, you know, the, the bitters market, which was kind of just making its sort of resurgence. Um, and they kind of, they wanted to tap into that. So they got a, a bunch of other, you know, bitters brands that they started distributing. And we were, we were part of that, which I'm so fortunate that they sort of saw something in us early on and, and took us on because they've really helped us grow. Um, they have a sales force and, you know, initially, I mean, in that first year I was going essentially like door to door to bars and restaurants and sure. special shops locally, trying to get them, you know, giving samples and that sort of thing. But our distributor has been pretty big in helping us expand outside of Utah. So in 2020, somehow magically, I don't even, I am still unsure of how this actually happened <laughs> we got into Whole Foods. Oh, cool. Um, so just regionally here in the sort of uh, Rocky Mountain region, which is so awesome. We're so, so grateful for that. Um, but we are going to try to make a shift into getting into smaller specialty shops. Um, so Whole Foods is great. Some of the larger chains that we're in here, um, there's a, a chain grocery store that we're in in Utah as well. It's really neat to to go shopping. That's where I do all of my grocery shopping and to just like walk past my product. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's really but, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat to see, but um, you know, we still do the farmer's markets every summer. We feel that like having that sort of face-to-face -face and personal connection is really important. Um, so that's why we want to shift to some smaller specialty shops Totally. Um, or, or kind of shift our focus back to these smaller shops. Um, you know, they're, they just have a special place in my heart. They're people like me who are small businesses. They're very passionate about what they're doing. And, you know, they have that personal connection with the customer, which I think is just incredibly important. That's why we do American Field. That's why we For do, sure. you know, the farmer's market and other, there's a, a craft event that we do in Salt Lake every summer as well. We didn't do it this year, but um we just like to keep stuff small. So yeah, and I think scaled up and expanded, but I just, you know, small is, it just has a special place in my heart. So I think it's, it's a balance. You nailed it right on the head there. You, you kind of have to have, you have to have both. And those, those big accounts where, you know, somebody can, uh, somebody's buying stuff for a dinner party where they're going to have a cocktail and you happen to be one of the options on the shelf at Whole Foods and, your bottle speaks to them or your flavor speaks to them. Uh, that's, that's just as valuable as a sale that you make at a farmer's market, but you have a, a chance to educate 
uh, exactly. educate the customer and, and really create a, a lifelong friendship, really. Yeah. I mean, that's... yeah, I mean, I mean, that kind of, you know, during the pen early on in the pandemic, we started virtual cocktail classes and we just have this community of people that continue to come back to our virtual classes. It's they've all sort of become, you know, my family, but mm-hmm. they become friends with each other, which is that's cool. It's honestly, I never expected anything like that to happen. It's one of the coolest things, you know, we, we get online to a virtual class and they're saying hi to each other. And they're from different parts of the country. We have people on the East coast, people on the West coast, um, and everywhere in between. And it's really, really cool. That is very, there's nothing like, uh, bringing people together. Yeah. Even, especially when you don't mean to. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. It was cool. just like, Hey, we were doing in-person cocktail classes, you know, before the pandemic. And obviously we had to stop doing that. Um, switching to virtual was something I, it was never on my radar. Like why would people, if you can go out and experience something, why would you want to sit at home and, and do it on your computer screen? But turns out when you're forced to, it works out. Yeah. And now we have both of those options. Yes. Yeah. Now we can do both. Well, we're, we're get, getting close getting closer to be when doing both balance balance well that that is the key word and that's kind of the next the next topic that i want to talk about with you you appear to be very cool calm and collected and have everything together and that takes a very interesting dichotomy and and you're you're making the face it's like oh well if you only knew (laughs) but i think that to have a business that uh that has scaled and uh you know, is in the place that Bitters Lab is after five or six years of uh, being on, about being out in the market. How do you balance a, a personal life from from a work life? I mean, you, you don't get to have that by not uh, you don't get to be where you are without really being dedicated to the brand. Yeah, I mean, I definitely work a lot, which this is going to sound so cliche, but I really love what I do, so it it's not that painful. Sure. Yeah. The do what you love quandary. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I do try to have sort of a a firm end to my day. Um, you know, when we're, when we're busy doing production or making bitters or bottling or that sort of thing, I try to keep our hours pretty minimal. Um, and I, I definitely try to consistently take, you know, several days off a week. That's really important to me to just essentially have, have downtime. So, Um, you know, I kind of believe that taking break breaks often sort of gives myself and my team just this more like refreshed outlook. It makes, you know, even me and my team more dedicated to what we're doing when we're not constantly just doing this like day to day stuff. It also gives me a chance to be more creative too. So taking a step back, thinking about what we're doing now, is this working? Is it not working? Um, you know, it gives me a chance to be creative with flavors as well. So that is honestly, it's, it's just as much, um, a part of working like that's working and break and taking breaks are just as important to me, you know, having both of those options. So I take it very seriously, taking time off and taking breaks. And, um, obviously it's not perfect all the time. There's certainly periods of time, always a fire. Yes. Yeah. Where there's a crisis or, um, a big project that we're working on and it's just, you know, week after week, nonstop sort of working. Um, but at the end of those types of things, I like to give myself and my team an opportunity to just take a load off. Yeah, for sure. I feel like 
you uh, the the kind of holistic view of it that you have must be a service, must be a service to you. Yeah, yes. having an understanding that the uh, the work and the life feed each other. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. very very I mean, important. I wonder when honest, I learned that. It, it took me a while to to figure that out. In the beginning, yeah. I was just like work 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 work. You know, and yeah. I think that's kind of how it goes in the beginning. You're really trying to make this thing turn into something bigger or something real. Um, but it, I've kind of just learned over time that, that taking a step back and taking breaks from, from working and not doing 12, 16 hour days, um, is really beneficial. So. Sure. Well, speaking of, speaking of creative, I'm wondering, uh, since you've grown, I'm sure you're probably doing a lot of administrative, big, big picture vision execution things in your day to day. Do you get the opportunity to still uh, be creative in the lab? Um, not as often as I would like to, but I'm hoping. Um, so I hired three people this year. One, I had a part-time employee um, in 2019 and he was just kind of doing markets and things like that. But I have three people now total cool. and they're all still part-time, but I'm kind of training them on other administrative things, shipping and, you know, kind of getting them in a groove where they can sort of function without me sure. so that I can go back to expressing this sort of creative, you know, this creativity that I have brewing inside of me. Um, there is one thing that I um, started in 2017 because I sort of saw this creative side doing these like unique and interesting flavors. I saw it sort of just dissipating because I was trying to grow my brand and I was really busy um, doing day-to-day -day stuff. And I was doing everything alone at the time, by the way, um, until then, um, until basically until 2019. So um, I started what's called the Bitters Lab Club and it's a, a quarterly subscription box. And I have specific release dates every quarter. So it's released on the equinox or the solstice and the flavors um, basically coincide with the season. Nice. Um, and doing that has sort of forced me whether I have a chance to be creative or not. I have to, because I need to create a new flavor every three months. So right. that has really helped. Um, sometimes it's stressful because I have put these harsh deadlines on myself. Sure. A little forced uh, creativity helps grow some muscles somewhere. I'm sure. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it's good. It's mostly good. Um, it's a little stressful at times, but that has really helped in just, you know, launching a lot of different new flavors and taking these ideas that I have in my brain of really weird flavor combinations that I might not be able to just release as a, as a core flavor. But if I release it as part of the subscription, you know, it's, it's a one-time limited edition thing. It yeah. allows me to test this and see if this is awesome or not. Oh, cool. Some of those flavors have made their way into our seasonal or our standard lineup as well. So it kind of gives me a, a chance to see what everyone thinks of those flavors too, before we actually commit to packaging and, and labels and, you know, all those other expenses behind it. So. Cool. That's, see, that's the stuff I, I wouldn't have thought of all those layers, but <laughs> you've had, you've had lots of time to come up with these things. Speaking of flavors, uh, last topic before I, we send ourselves on our way. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. 
what's the uh, what's the go to fall drink in your house this year? Well, I mean, I feel like it it definitely changes based on my mood for sure. But my my go to is always an old fashioned. Um, it's just it's such a great classic cocktail and one of the key components are bitters. So obviously that's huge in my book. Mm -hmm. Um, but the cool thing about old fashions is that you can change up this, the spirit or the bitters flavor to coincide with the season. So we just released our seasonal plum and oak. So I've been making rum old fashions with plum and oak bitters and it's just aged rum. Um, It's just great. And it feels very autumn-y, feels very sort of cozy. Cool. Yeah. This is the season, best time of year. Yes. I love this it. Are you, what, what's your opinion on uh, on bitters and seltzer? Have you ever, are you? Oh, I love it. Or not, is that, that's a real thing. Somebody said that to me once and I was like, I don't know if that's, if that's a yeah. real thing. It's a real thing. So, I mean, I think bitters and seltzer originally started as a way to kind of help upset stomachs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've so heard a hangover is I think is hangover, I, uh, I think it was at an American field event even maybe yeah, yeah after an American field event <laughs> yeah. yes maybe <laughs> but it really does you know bitters contain medicinal bittering agents so the bitter roots and barks some have medicinal properties um, and you know bitters were originally used as patent medicine so you would take a shot of bitters or bitters in some whiskey or you know a cocktail mm. um, and and that would be your medicine for you know, what ailed you. So um, yeah, bitters and salsa are definitely a thing. I do that when I want something a little bit more exciting than mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm transitioning away from coffee for the day. And I want sure. something that's not a cocktail yet. Cause I'm not quite ready, but that's, you know, maybe a yeah. little bit more fun than a LaCroix. <laughs> yeah. That's like a good two, two thirty in the afternoon before snack time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I might actually mix um, bitters with a LaCroix as well. So take a flavored sure. LaCroix, throw some bitters in there and you've got yourself like a nice refreshing, you know, midday drink. Yeah. Um, and bitters like canned, canned soda and bitters, like that's a huge thing right now. You know, there's I've a lot of heard that. Companies, yeah. There's a lot of bitters companies that are, that are basically canning club soda and their bitters huh. selling it. So cool. One day soon, maybe sure. we can jump on that train. And be your first customer. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, where's the best place for people to stay in touch and learn more about what you do? Yeah, so you can find us at bitterslab.com. We are on Instagram at bitterslab. That's, those are like the two main places. Um, cool. If you're interested in finding like way more stuff about us, our newsletter is... Um, we release it once a month, so we're not like getting too insane with throwing things in your inbox, but it contains a lot of stuff, recipes, new flavors, things that we're working on, events that we're going to be attending in November. We're going to be in Boston at American Field. So can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited. Very cool. You know, I'm going to give a quick newsletter tip uh, that just feels relevant. I have a friend that told me that he has a separate email only for newsletter subscriptions. Oh, that's smart. Isn't that, isn't that smart? Exactly is smart. <laughs> that's like what he uses to buy, if he buys stuff online or signs up for a, a brand that he likes. I think that's pretty smart, right? Because like I, I log on to my personal email and it's like, shit, 10 emails from Tractor Supply today? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hmm. Uh, well, 
there's there's my tip. You gave us a bunch of tips. Uh, Andrea, can't wait to see you in Boston. We're going to go see the seals. We're going to have a great time. Okay, I can't wait. It's going to be I fun. Love it. Awesome. We'll see you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found 